Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Christian Skeptic. I'm your host, Sean Kerwin, and as always, it's my mission to take an honest look at our questions about Christianity through the lens of logic and reason. I'm not here to preach at you, just to start a conversation with you. I hope you enjoy the show. If you're just joining us, this is, we are joining in part two of a series on megachurches, and we're getting a little more personal this time and kind of tackle maybe a uh, sum of a question of why it's so easy to be offended at a megachurch, maybe why so many of us are offended at a megachurch. I'm joined again by my special guest, Brandon, who was with us last time, uh, the philosophy major and uh, non-Christian extraordinaire. Again, welcome back to the show, Brandon. Sean. Thanks for having me. It's been a it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, two whole weeks. <laughs> Though we uh, talk almost on a daily basis, yes, so it really do. that doesn't it's not a while. <laughs> no, but it's been a while since I've seen you. <laughs> this is true. Um, so so yeah, and 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 you come from a testimony or a background, I guess, if you want to call it, of yeah. having been hurt by a mega church as well. I, so I tell do, us a little more about that. Sure, I do have my own uh, testament. Uh, no pun intended. Um, um, so I, you know, like I mentioned in the uh, previous episode I was on, I was raised going to a mega church. The school that I actually went to and eventually graduated from was actually attached to this, to this mega church. And I remember there was this one, there was this one, uh, this one guy that I went to school with who was basically like, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, you know? Um, I love that book, by the way. <laughs> um, so, you know, at school, he would be this person who just didn't really care about their uh, beliefs and, and their, their devotion to their, their religion. Uh, but when they were at church, they were involved in, you know, like the youth ministry, and uh, they did all, all sorts of things for the church. So it it became a little hard for me to, to kind of associate with this person because of the two different sides that I had seen. And, you know, Sean, I am always talking about hypocrisy and, you know, just how, just how gross, just how gross it is. And that was one of the things that did turn me off to going to church in general. You know, now I, I will say, I know that, you know, my, my situation doesn't exist in in every church but it's not about my situation it's about like the meaning it's about the hypocrisy the offense and i just i i realized that there's one person like this in in my naivete which i which i came out of after realizing this that you know i mean it it exists everywhere it exists everywhere and that's why i didn't want to be associated with that was to keep myself from getting hurt from the thing that you know i thought would bring me some kind of uh uh spiritual comfort i'm because i it, it used to be important to me until i went to college and i studied philosophy and i disobeyed my mom because she told me not to study <laughs> philosophy and what did i do i got a philosophy degree which there's no hypocrisy in philosophy right Ever. <laughs> <laughs> right so i should mention though because you know you may you may be thinking like oh well brandon this is just you know like one person how could you let one person you know kind of destroy your faith because not everyone is like that and while you're true at at that age, I, you know, I, I must have been like 17, 18 years old. I don't know. I just didn't really think that it was for me. Not not to mention that this particular person wasn't the only hypocritical person that I had encountered 
in this church. I mean, there there was there was several, and it kind of felt disingenuous to be going there. You know, it kind of felt like, you know, this is like basically like the only mega church where I'm from, and there's two campuses now. The one the the second one was like recently built a few years ago, but it started to feel like it's more of a status thing that you go to this church. You know, because it's so uh, uh, accessible. There's two campuses. There's one on on you know the east side of town. There's one on the west side of town. You know, and it's great. It's accessible to to all people. But I've found that that just doesn't really uh, you know give me any any clarity or comfort for myself. And so, that's a huge thing to realize. Is exactly. When, when the church stops providing clarity, perhaps don't just dismiss it right away. You know, I would encourage maybe meet with a pastor at the church and bring up questions and seek clarity. But if at the end of the day, it's not providing clarity, it's not worth going to. Along that note, uh, as, as the Christian in the room, probably as the one who should be inviting everyone to church, exactly. I almost feel blessed that I have had the benefit of having an outside view outside of megachurch. Yes. I almost feel like there's a special blessing. And again, this may sound weird coming from the Christian in the room, but (laughs) if you need to take time to step away from the church and learn what other people think and get an outside view, please do. There, there isn't anything actually wrong with that. I, at the very introduction, introductory episode to the show, I quoted Isaiah 118, where God says, come, let us reason together about these things, right? Though your sins are red as scarlet, I'll make them white as snow. This is the end of that verse. But God is a God of reason, right. uh, according to the Bible. And if you need to take some time to evaluate and apply logic and reason to the church experience, if the church experience is hindering your view of God, of the Bible, then it might actually be the most Christian thing. Again, depending on, on your situation, uh, everyone's different. I'm not generalizing here, but, but don't feel guilty if you need to take a few months of stepping out of the church and you need to read some Nietzsche or you need yeah. to read Aldous Huxley, you know, just just to know what other people think, because I think it's important. And I think even to that, you and I were having a conversation, I think it was last week, where I was uh, sharing what I had read in uh, Dr. Timothy Keller's book, Counterfeit Gods, where he had kind of taken a, really a, a Nietzschean philosophy. And I was very glad to see Dr. Timothy Keller do this. But of course, Dr. Timothy Keller is a genius. Uh, in Christian circles, but he took a Nietzschean philosophy of the will to power and the will to pleasure, and he broke it out into four different sections, and he called them idolatries, which is why at the very end of last episode, I loved that you brought up the word idolatry, because I think that something we don't grow up realizing when we grow up in megachurches is how prevalent idolatry is in megachurches. So, uh, Tim Keller brought up the, the four idolatries that you find as far as motives go for worshiping. And this could be worshiping anything. This could be worshiping an actual idol, or it could be worshiping Jesus, the God of the Bible, right? And as Brandon mentioned a lot last episode, motive is a huge factor of that. Well, motive can be the idolatry. So Tim Keller says there are four of them. One is approval, which would probably fall under the pleasure category for Nietzsche. Uh, Another one is comfort, which would probably also fall under the pleasure category for Nietzsche. The third one is influence, which would probably fall under the power category for Nietzsche. And then the fourth one is control, which would probably also fall under the power category for Nietzsche. And basically the the premise is there is that it's possible to attend a, a church, be it mega or micro, mini, mom and pop, <laughs> I, I don't know what, a smaller church or a large right. church, right? And attend a church for those reasons, right? Now, biblically speaking, 
is being approved of in your church a bad thing? No, not at all, right? Is having influence a bad thing in your church? Not at all. Is uh, being in control, right? Uh, being a part of the leadership team to help guide direction, guide people, is that a bad thing? Not at all, right? And being comfortable going to church, obviously not a bad thing, right? It's, most of us would rather you know, be comfortable walking in the room than uncomfortable. But when those things become the main reason for going to church, then it becomes idolatrous, right? And, and so, again, where I think I'm blessed to have, have had that opportunity to experience life outside of megachurch and outside of church life, it's, it comes from a place of now I've been in it long enough that I watch people go through this transition where one of those desires isn't met and it's the church's fault, right? And, and I'm, not, I'm not discrediting your experience at all, but I, I think so often it's someone wants influence and they don't get the influence they want and so oh well you know this this church just they're too judgmental or something right or, right. or maybe they they're not approved of the way they want to be approved of in church and you know oh it's this church is is too legalistic or something right or, or maybe they they aren't as comfortable they aren't they aren't getting the comfort they desire in in the church right and oh this church has too many clicks or they're they're too clicky and i don't fit into their system or something right and, and and you see how it goes on and on where there is something where an idolatrous desire right or a desire that becomes idolatrous actually let me rephrase that uh, becomes the main thing. The main thing gets denied in people because people are imperfect and people are hypocritical. Anyone that says they're not hypocritical is committing hypocrisy at that point in time. Um, <laughs> you know, but but something doesn't get satisfied and all of a sudden the church is to blame when, when you have time to breathe and time to step out of the church right. and actually study what the scripture says, you'll find in scripture that all four of those desires are to be satisfied in the gospel, in grace, in the person of Christ, right? Jesus is called the ultimate comforter in the gospels, right? In, in Paul's letter specifically. You know, you, you want control. Well, uh, handing your life over to the one in control of everything satisfies that, right? Because ultimately we're not really in control of much here on this earth, mostly just in control of our attitudes, right. which yeah. some of us even then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, if, if you want, uh, where even was I? If you want approval, right? Uh, the ultimate approval is in the gospel that your sins are forgiven. And at the end of the day, you hear well done, good and faithful servant, right? That's the ultimate approval fulfilled in Christ. And, you know, if you want influence, well, there is no greater influence than God commissioning the foolish things of this world, us, right, me, <laughs> present, uh, as, as Paul writes in Corinthians, to spread his message, spread his gospel, his word, right? So all four of those are to be fulfilled in Christ. But often when attending a megachurch, I think it's easy for us to be unaware of those desires being right. the foremost thing right. for us. Yeah, you know, you, you do bring up a good point, which is that sometimes we do need a little bit of space, a little bit of distance uh, to gain perspective, you know, because perspective is, is, I mean, that's really all we have. And I, I should also mention that, yeah, I'm not perfect either. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not religious at all, so I'm definitely not perfect. Would, uh, would you be offended if I called you a sinner? No, not okay. at all. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm a sinner as well. But I'm not a sinner if, if God it does not exist. So, you know. Touché. Anyway, um, you know, I, I should I should mention that I myself am not perfect. I do get caught up in, you know, my, my small spells of, of hypocrisy, just like anyone does. But it is important that you realize what it is that you are, what it is that you're doing, what it is that you're saying, or what it is that you're thinking, um, you know, that, that is comprising this this uh um hypocrisy and going back to nietzsche nietzsche would actually say that hypocrisy is a separation of intellect from action 
You know, this is something that we spoke yes. about, yeah. right? Separation of intellect from action. Um, for Nietzsche, rumination is key to actually understanding uh, what it is that he's saying, but to also, I think on a deeper level, rumination is key to understanding what's going on mm. in, in, in general. So if you do need to take a, a, a step back to gain some perspective, by all means, please, please feel free to do so. Um, you know, you don't don't feel like you have an obligation to go to church. Don't feel like you like you're gonna be a bad Christian if if you don't go to church because that's that's not that's a very like one sided thing. You have to remember that as well. And you know, on that note, you you reminded me of actually an experience I had. I at one point got to have lunch with one of one of my living legend heroes. Uh, he's a famous mathematician. His name is Dr. John Lennox. He is he's an Irish guy. He's got a nice Irish accent. Um, but he's also an apologist, and he also travels around the, the world um, having intellectual conversations and, and debates even uh, about uh, the validity of the Bible, of Scripture, of the existence of God. And uh, I got, got the chance to ask him what was the turning point in his life where he wanted to become an intellectual concerning the Bible, concerning religion. And he said it was on his 13th birthday, actually. He said when he... So he grew up in a Protestant family in Catholic Ireland, yeah. right? So uh, there was some opposition. There was some hostility, you know. That, that There was <laughs> some interesting looks he, he and his family received growing up, right? But his father, on his 13th birthday, uh, handed him a copy of the Communist Manifesto. And he said, I'm handing you this because it's important that you know what other people think. And, you know, when you were talking, I realized also, too, how blessed he was to yes. have received a copy of, as a Protestant Christian in Ireland, to have received a copy of the Communist Manifesto by his father on his 13th birthday, right? And because he's even said that was the turning point in his life where he realized uh, an intellectual uh, dialogue or discussion or even skepticism is, is crucial to his faith. And I think that that's something that when you grow up in a mega church, they don't just hand you copies of the Communist Manifesto or of, of Beyond Good and Evil by Nietzsche or A Brave did. New World. That yeah. would I would get I would go to church <laughs> if they did that. <laughs> um, um, but in our current culture, not a lot of us or not not a lot of people that grow up in mega churches have that blessing of being handed thoughts contrary to their own. Yes, absolutely. A lot of us, those of you who have studied some sociology. You know, upbringing is definitely a big part that makes us who we are, right? And, you know, a lot of us are indoctrinated to believe things to be a certain way, some more than others. Um, and then some of us, you know, our, our parents give us the, the choice to kind of decide what it is that we want to believe in for ourselves, which is, I mean, which is a great gift, you know, when, when that is given to you, especially at a young age. Absolutely. Um, it's fantastic. You have the experience to grow. But, you know, there's also there's also those other options out there that you can explore as well you know i mean you don't have to solely be focused on being a good christian or being a good buddhist or whatever you know i mean but it is important though that as people as rational beings especially if you're listening to this podcast i implore you to definitely get out of your comfort zone read something that you've never thought that you'd ever read in your lifetime like if you don't know much about buddhism you know go read the tao something like that you know but you know it, it's all for perspective it's it's for purposes of of perspective and to be a well-rounded enlightened individual yeah and to your point it's funny that you mentioned the Tao because as soon as you said that I thought of another 
you know, hero of mine. Unfortunately, I, I won't meet him on this side of heaven, but it's C.S. Lewis, right? Who wrote a book that you and I have both read called *The Abolition of Man*, where he starts off talking about the Tao. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so yeah, you're, you're right. It's, it's important to be well-rounded. But and I think further to that, when you become well-rounded, you generally have more compassion on church folk. Uh, which may sound a little weird, right? But I think there's a huge population of us, yeah. uh, you know, of, of millennials um, and even Gen Z now coming into their own that are offended by churchgoers, right? Very similar to your story. I think exactly. that there's a huge offense where, you know, maybe maybe the uh, unmet desire for approval or for influence or for control or for comfort didn't drive you away, but maybe someone was seeking approval so much that it caused them to behave hypocritically, right? right? Or right. it caused them, maybe they were seeking influence so much that it caused them to completely ignore what the Bible said and be mean, right? Or, or be cruel or be unjust. And when you can step out, of the church world, you put yourself in a place where you have the opportunity to overcome the emotional stress, strain, or even damages that you've experienced in the church and to become more well-rounded, to become more aware of the truth. And at least in my experience, I've noticed it makes me more compassionate to those that behave hypocritically or compassionate to those that either try to catch others in their sin or to those that get caught too much in their sin. Because speaking as the Christian, again, the ultimate truth is scripture and the authority that it has. And so my encouragement for anyone who wants to take a sabbatical, as it were, from church or to step out of the church for several months is to become well-rounded, yes, in the way other people think, to become well-rounded and say Nietzsche or uh, to read Huxley or to read even the Communist Manifesto if you want. But above all things, if you're not already well-rounded in Scripture, that's my greatest encouragement to you. Because the church is messing up somewhere, somehow. How do I know this? Because churches are imperfect. They're run by people. But we feel it emotionally when the church messes up. And if we would just take some time to pause and not just feel it emotionally, but realize it biblically, not only where the church messes up, but also where we mess up as well. I'm almost nearly convinced that when someone's offended at church, it is maybe half the church's fault and half our fault, right? Because the church is run by people and people are imperfect and they are sinners as we've already discussed. And so don't mishear me here. I'm not saying if a church has offended you, it's your fault and there's some repentance or extra praying that you need to do. There might be, I don't know. I don't know your situation. But what I do know is that until you have studied the whole counsel of Scripture, the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation, until you can confidently say that you've read all of those pages in between the first chapter of Genesis and the last chapter of Revelation, you'll never be the well-rounded Christian who is able to handle church, especially a mega church. Right? When I think of what, what makes the difference between a major church and a small church, right? Obviously, it's population, but that also is the danger of it, right? Because when you have a larger population, you have more room for hypocrisy. You have more room for offense. Now, I'm not saying that offense and hypocrisy isn't present in smaller churches. I think it definitely is. Again, churches are imperfect. They're run by people. And I think as we discussed last time, a major church can do a lot of good for a lot of people. But if it's not the right place for you, and perhaps this is the best note to end on, shop around for a church. Find a church that is right for you. Find a church that is biblical, 
that you feel comfortable in, but also a church that challenges you as a person. If one church offends, don't write off churches forever. Shop around. See if there's another church that provides clarity. You know, see if there's another church that, at the end of the day, is that thing that we talked about last time, days of heaven on earth, right? You, yeah. you, God's hand is moving through truth, through scripture, his word, and through the church, loving God and loving others, which Jesus said are the two greatest commandments. Well, as usual, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the show.